Blog Talk Radio. to Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Her philosophy is the philosophy that upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and joining me here in the studio, as usual, suffering along with me at the late, late hour, is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. White cartoonist Bosch Faustin. Oh, yeah, white cartoonist White cartoonist Bosch Faustin. Like the Attorney General. He said, I'm, I am the Attorney General, but I'm also black. Right. So I get to mention now, every time, I'm a white cartoonist. Yes, definitely. That's, definitely. That's, that's essential. You know, I am sorry I did not include that in the extensive list of program notes that we have for today's show. If you want to check out all the stories, etc., that we plan to discuss, go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, don'tletitgo.com, and you will see there that the title of today's show is, Is Obama Teen Up? Ha ha. An Inverse of the Battles of Marathon and Thermopylae. So go and check it out. As uh, you might be knowing, the reference is to the current war that we have with ISIS. I mean, ISIS is declaring war on us, but apparently yeah. it's not really a war with yeah. us. Even though they declare war against us, we don't consider it. I think Washington is waiting for war. ISIS to really kill thousands and thousands of us to say, okay, we got to do something. You know, we got to do something. Well, or they're going to do something, but they don't want to call it a war. No, that, that, as I'm saying, we, well, we haven't been at war since two, since 9/11. I mean, you know, we haven't declared war officially. We wanted to kill some people that you know people hated, and it, it, it was safe to do, and we haven't fought a war. We fought in something other than war. It's, something else. It, it's complete pragmatism. This yeah. refusal to label anything with a word that designates a concept that means anything definite in anyone's mind. They want to keep everything flowing. They want to keep all of their options perpetually yeah. open. And and and, and to think about it. Yeah. To 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 deal with this with war, and you know death and destruction. To have the attitude towards that. Yeah, I mean, they have it in every aspect of their lives, but when it comes to that, it just makes it so irrational. It just makes the enemy seem more powerful than they are, and they're not. They're weak. Do go over to my blog at DontLetItGo.com and check out the links to all of the stories. There's a lot of ISIS-related stories, a lot of different facets of the story that we want to talk about today. And then there are also a few links to some things that I want to start with. I want to start out with the ALS. Ice Bucket Challenge. 
And, I mean, you can't avoid it if you're out there. And maybe some people are deciding, okay, I'm going to tune out of the show now because they're going to talk about the ice bucket challenge. But bear with me for a couple minutes here. First of all, my mother died of ALS. She died of ALS in 1995, so it's been quite a long time. So I'm not too likely to, you know, collapse in, in tears during the show. But, I, you know, I still get upset sometimes about it. Um, I've, I've liked watching the Ice Bucket Challenge in part because of the personal connection that I have with the disease. I actually don't know anything about the organization itself. And you could rightfully perhaps be skeptical of the organization. I do remember my mother saying something like, you know, and I don't know if she was saying this out of frustration because there was no cure, uh, that, that the organization was just really about sympathy and not enough about finding a cure. That was her complaint Mm. back in 1995. Again, I don't know what kind of an organization it is now. So, you know, in in terms of that, I don't have a lot of opinion in whether you should be giving money to that particular organization. I do know that this is a disease that people are looking for a cure, that it causes a lot of human suffering, that people get this through no fault of their own, so far as I know. Um, there's some sort of a pre- predisposition. Maybe there's certain things that people might do, but I, it's uh, it, it's a mystery. A lot of this disease, and I have liked seeing the number of celebrities who have just gladly pitched in because it's not a sacrifice to them to be on camera doing something kind of funny, which is dump a bunch of ice there's water no better all over your head. No, there's no better advertisement. Right. And and they're all donating too. I mean, some people are saying, "Well, why you know dump water over your head? Why not just?" Well, they're donating as well, yes. but they're doing this to help bring attention to, to the disease. And the last figure that I saw was that they had raised forty-one million dollars through this campaign so far. Incredible. I'm sure it's exceeded that by now, but that that was what I saw. I think a day and a half ago, and it's amazing. And, and I, I have liked watching. The celebrities get very creative. If you go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com, I have a link to Patrick Stewart's take on the Ice Bucket Challenge, which if I play it for you over this, it's not going to make much difference. But let me just describe to you what he does in the video because you'd have to see what he's doing. You can't just hear it. And what he does is he sits there. You know, Actually, let let me just explain the Ice Bucket Challenge for people who for some reason haven't seen it. What you're supposed to do if you are challenged is either dump a bucket of ice water over your head or have somebody dump a bucket of ice water over your head or donate to the ALS Association, Lou Gehrig's Disease Foundation, um, or you could do both. And that's what the celebrities are doing. They're doing both. They're donating and they're doing It's not like they're putting ice over their heads. They don't have to because they can afford Charlie to do Sheen, this. Charlie Sheen, he did didn't he dump a bunch of money over yeah, his head? Feel, right. Oh, right. that's what you, you know, as if, as if they're not doing Hugh that. Hugh Hefner's wife did the same thing, but she did it in a bikini and she looked cute doing right. it. And she said she did it because there's a drought wait, in wait, California. Wait, wait, bikini. She must be in her, in her 70s or 80s, because right? <laughs> she's married to Hugh Hefner, right? No, wow. So, no. Huh? But the, the normal is that the person just dumps a bucket of ice water over their head and they nominate whoever the three or four, they've all lost track of the rules. I think it was three originally, but then people have been nominating four or more sometimes. But you nominate whoever you're going to tag next while you do this. And what 
Patrick Stewart does instead is he pulls out a checkbook and he's writing a check. For most of the video, I think he's writing the check. And then he has a bucket of ice there. But what he does with that bucket of ice is he takes one of the little ice tongs and he removes one ice cube and puts it in a glass. Another ice cube puts it in the glass and then pours some liquor, some kind of scotch or something over the, on the rocks and drinks. Cool. <laughs> and uh, it says something about, you know, this is the proper use of ice. So, uh, but I, I've gone online and there's one website that had collected a whole bunch of different celebrity takes on the ice bucket challenge. I enjoyed watching one that, Bosch, you told me about earlier, which is Tom Cruise yeah. with the director for what movie? Mission Impossible 5. So they're just about but, to film this, I think? But he's in the hospital now for days because he has a pneumonia or something. <laughs> No, but he had. I don't know how many half ice a buckets dozen, were being dumped on them. I think half a dozen. Them. I think. Yeah. And they kept coming. It was it, it was relentless. So they so they were taking the ice buckets and they said donating on behalf of all the crew that wasn't even there. Yeah. And then I think they got more ice water <laughs> buckets than coming. they even expected. Right. They knew that multiple buckets were coming, They're but like, they Whoa. seemed surprised after. But when is this going to stop? You know, it must be very cold. It must be very cold. Someone on Facebook asked me, they said, well, would you take the ice bucket? And some people, there was one friend who had complained about yeah. this challenge as if just, it's, it's people guilting you into donating or something. I don't see it choice. as any. You want to do it. You yeah. want to take part. You want to. It's up to you. And they're making it an interesting, fun thing, that's all. And they're getting a lot of money for it. I mean, they're making a lot of money for it. Well, and I think, the, I, I think the original premise, right, yeah. the original premise is that they didn't want to pressure people into donating necessarily. So the idea was, Show well, if support. you don't donate, it's sort of like trick or treat, yeah. right? You either have to give us a trick or a treat. Right. It, here it's Ice Bucket Challenge or Donate. And, of course, those people this who can afford bucket. to do both and yeah, want exactly. to do both, do both. Right. Or you do one or versus the other. I, it, it's all in fun as far as I can tell. And I have loved seeing a lot of the celebrities. I loved watching Kobe's because Kobe takes yes. an ice water bath in his right. whole body. So it, the video starts with a shot of the thermometer yeah. showing you the temperature. I think it was hovering around 10 degrees Something, Celsius, yeah. the ice bath that he's sitting in. So not only is he sitting in a bath of ice water yeah. the entire time he's you know, saying this and his teeth aren't chattering or no. anything. Then at the end, he gets a you know water bucket over his head as well. Pretty good. And, and they push his head down, I think, in the thing. I think oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He dunks. He submerges yeah. completely in the end. I almost forgot. I mean, that everyone's part. trying to one up each other, which is fine, which is cool. Uh, I think Hugh Jackman challenged Tom Cruise, and that's why Tom Cruise one upped whatever else the other guys did. Because <laughs> Hugh Jackman did it with the whole crew, and he got right. a little water on, on his head. Some guys got away with it, like when they do the multiple. Some guys don't get almost anything. Oh, yeah. I know. I think I saw one where it was NBA there were there's this one that was I think it was Taylor Swift and Jamie King. I I think they did it together. Anyway, the whole idea was they were supposed to be dousing each other, and I think they both missed each other and all the people who are around them. And they they never really got very right. wet. Marie Osmond had someone do it to her, and it was so funny because she's made up. I mean, she is made <laughs> up. And her hair is all perfect, and she's wearing these great clothes. And they dump this stuff over her. And it was funny. It's almost as if the water wouldn't even That's soak into her funny. hair. I don't know what she put on her hair, but you have to watch hers too. I mean, it, it's just really fun. And here's the thing, right? I, I put a link at my blog at DontLetItGo.com to a headline news story. Ice Bucket Challenge not accepted by President Barack Obama. Okay. Yeah. 
Here is our nihilist in chief, and we've talked about this so many times, how much he has degraded the office of president by appearing in an unprofessional way on various television shows, interview shows. He goes to the NBA, and he doesn't even really know anything about the teams, but he insists on picking brackets or whatever for playoffs and stuff. And he, he does all these things that you would think are things a president wouldn't be doing, and yet why won't he dump a bucket of ice over his head for a disease that is a worthy cause? Yeah. Why won't he do it? He's too quote-unquote cool. And I, you know, and, he's too busy playing golf. Well, and I'm not a huge George W. Bush fan, but George W. Bush did the ice bucket challenge. Ma- Michael Jordan did also. Yeah, Michael yeah. Jordan did it. Uh, George W. Bush even had a cute idea for the challenge, which was he sits there and he's, I think, writing a check, and he says, well, you know, it's um, not presidential to have ice water over your head, so I'm writing a check. And then his wife comes and dumps it on him. Anyway, but watch the video and see. It's a great idea, but the execution, they don't quite carry it off. But I'm thinking, look, here he is. He's saying, yeah, you know, it's not very presidential, but then he gets the ice bucket on him anyway. And I I thought it was great. Andrew in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio saying, ISIS bucket? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kermit the Frog took the challenge. No, I didn't see Kermit the Frog. I need a link to the Kermit the Frog. I would love to see. Yeah, Paul Ryan dunked Mitt Romney. I saw that. And I definitely like Patrick Stewart's he was, version. He dunked Mitt Romney? Uh, Paul Ryan dunked... The, the electable one? The electable one. Mitt Romney. Yeah. Mitt Romney did a decent job of it. I don't care it was, about Mitt Romney. Just, it was, I can't stand um, the guy. It was a Mitt Romney perfect execution of it. Yeah. But still, I don't like for president. He's popping up though like an idiot and he's and he's playing it and he's teasing people are saying Mitt Romney 2016 are you kidding me enough of this crap yes definitely Stuart in the chat room says he'll send me the Kermit the Frog one cool. I would love to see it I think that would be a lot of fun but yeah. he, so so here here's the thing I actually think that this ice bucket challenge is something that exemplifies part of what Ayn Rand deemed to be the American sense yeah. of life namely that Here in the United States, we do not see celebrities as being above everybody else. And when they're called into action for a cause like this, and I mean, this is great because who in the world disagrees about Lou Gehrig's disease being a worthy cause? It doesn't have any political slant whatsoever. And all these people can agree, look, you know, pitch in and do something to call attention to something that we would like to eradicate if we can, which is this horrible disease. And they're all saying, look, I'm not above this. I can do this. Celebrities of every stripe are out there doing it. And then this is the one time that Barack Obama doesn't step in. And it just shows you he does not share the American sense of life. Because it's not that he's above this. He's done so many things that are beneath this. Again, the, the thing that keeps sticking out of my mind that is so beneath anything like this is the flush toilet. Exactly, exactly. And I didn't even tell you this before the show. I did not prompt you with this. The flush toilet that he did as if he was in a bathroom and he was... For for those who don't remember, it was uh, the the press club or whatever. What's it called? The press club dinner? The Washington Press Corps dinner? I guess. Right? And it was a couple years ago. And what they have is they have, before he comes in, 
they're pretending that they have him, you know, mic'd backstage and he doesn't know it. It's a hot mic, blah, blah, blah. And he's actually in the bathroom, no. supposedly. Now, yeah. again, it's not true, yeah. but, you know, he's in the bathroom and he's saying some stuff. And then you hear the toilet flush. Right. So the people out there at this dinner where it's a gala event where everyone's dressed up, it's formal, and the president of the United States is supposedly, yeah, back there flushing the yeah. toilet. And he can't do the ice bucket challenge. Yeah. He was challenged by LeBron James and maybe some others, but he was challenged by it. Why not? I think he was also challenged by Justin Bieber. Okay. For what it's worth. But I think I think it just should. I mean, tell tell me if I'm wrong. But I mean, it, I think it's because this embodies so much the American sense of life of people. Okay, there's a disease. Yeah. We can do something about it. Here's some people. I mean, obviously the celebrities. It's no sacrifice to them to get out there. They're having fun with it. They're they're, they're showing, issue. hey, we're just we're one of the people we're trying to support. You know, they're making it bigger than it would have been. Also, I mean, they're making a lot more money than than they would have otherwise with them taking part in it. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I, you I know, call, call, call well. up and tell me what you think of this. I know there are a lot of people who have decided they're annoyed by this and they don't want to see ice buckets you over people's heads. They, they don't have to take part in it. They, they don't, don't have, to, have it. to do it. They don't have to do it. But I, I have personally enjoyed all the celebrities just diving in. And also and the creative way that some of them are doing it. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, it's fun. So, okay, how's he going to do it? You know. And you can you can tell which of the actors actually have a personality and a brain behind them right. because this is totally unscripted Absolutely. stuff. And a lot of them are having a lot of fun with it and some of them just kind of like wooden and stiff without a director and an actor, you know, and a and a script, a director and a script. There are lots of words. Do you mind if I put something on just for one second? No, I don't mind it's, at all. It's not that long. Okay, what is it? It's something in terms of, of actors, I thought. I posted it on my blog, and I think it's worth sharing. Uh, Are you going to give us an intro? Oh. oh, oh, we got to turn this volume up here. I'm sorry. Sorry, here, I've got oh, volume. Hold on a second. Go ahead. Hold on. Oh, okay. You got it? Now, I don't do a De Niro impression, but I do an impression of Robert De Niro's agent. You ready? Here it is. Ready? Ring, ring. He'll do it. That's all. Who is it? It was uh, Joel McHale. Okay. And uh, he was at the, uh, I think, Correspondence Dinner. Okay. That's just a little hilarious to me, because Robert De Niro was a great actor, and now, I don't know what he is, but he was a great actor. I think it's hilarious. Did De Niro do the Ice Bucket Challenge? I don't know. Bring, he'll do it. (laughs) That's hilarious. Anyway. Rose and Rose agent, sorry. If you're talking about actors, uh, I thought it was worth sharing. Anyone in the chat room over here have a comment on Ice Bucket Challenge? Let me see here. Uh, State Defiance says that Obama not only did the little phony toilet flush, he also flushed our foreign policy down the toilet. Sure did. And our economy down the toilet. Yeah. I wish he flushed himself down a, down a toilet, because that's where you know that kind of thing belongs, but... Andrew says that neurodegenerative diseases suck. Victims suffer because the body can degrade so fast while the mind remains intact. He says, I can't imagine a more worthy cause. Obama's just a big wimp, and it would require him donating his own money. Well, here's the thing, Andrew. He did donate money. That's what I heard. I heard that he donated money, but he refused to do the ice bucket thing on camera. As if he's uh, too dignified. He might be a physical wimp. Well, he is. 
Because it's cold. You see him out there. Is what throw, I hear. Throwing a bowl. Is what I hear. By the way. No, but people call him a cold fish also. So this is a part of it. I mean, no, but this is really part of it. He's like, he's too cool for it. By the way, what? I'm sorry. Oh, no. I was going to say, by the way, on Facebook, someone asked me whether I would be open to doing the challenge if I was challenged. Now, what I had thought, and, and Michelle Field had tagged Jonathan Honig, but then apparently, I think she knew that it wasn't really according to rules because she tried to nominate five people, right. and I think you were supposed to nominate only three. So then she I'm cut not it down sure to she three. had ice in her bucket anyway. So if she had, yeah, I'm not sure. If she had nominated Honig, I thought, okay, well, Honig's going to nominate me for sure. <laughs> but as far as I know, Honig has not been nominated yet. We're still waiting to see right. the creative thing that Jonathan Honig could do with the yep. ice bucket challenge. Yep. <laughs> I don't know exactly what. Maybe Obama will nominate him. Obama yeah. will. Because <laughs> he'll do it. And... Uh, I would love to see it. Uh, now, maybe Freedom Breeds in the chat room says maybe Obama thinks he's royalty. He says, it don't is you, mine, you know. Don't think you'd see Prince William or Queen Elizabeth taking the challenge. I don't know. What do we got? We got some yeah feedback. Something. Feedback from something here, huh? I don't know. Something horrible. Our nice sound system. John writes, uh, a bucket of cold water might sober Obama up. Maybe that's what he's afraid of. <laughs> True. Getty Lee of Rush apparently did it. Okay. He had a thimble full of water dropped on a bobblehead doll of him. That's funny. Then he did a real bucket of ice. I like that that's one. That's funny. I like that one. I like it. Bill Gates one had no ice, so it could have been lukewarm water for all we know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know the ice. I mean, the people, you know, you know who's doing it. It's a pretty hardcore thing, but... Daniel in the chat room says we should regularly refer to Obama's pattern of bad behavior as par for the course as a not to the good. <laughs> I, I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, he just said about when the American was beheaded, he said, um, how do you put it? He goes, uh, we will be relentless. So I put this thing, I said, the, you know, the relentless golf player says, relentless in what way, Barack? Yeah, I think, I think if he had a nice bucket drop, dropped over his head, he might actually have to change his clothes or something before he went back to the golf course, and that would be bad. Yeah, and change his, change his policies, become a born-again capitalist, right? Maybe, because, you know, he's so abrupt, right? Or, oh, I just thought of it. Because I remember, didn't you show me one? Or um, Oh, it was like Nancy Pelosi does the Ice Bucket Challenge. Oh, that's good. And that one's really good. I'm seven, not going to tell you what it is. In the, usually in the chat room. Yeah. Posted on Twitter. Yeah, 72521 yes. posted it. Just look for that, you guys, because my theory is yeah, maybe it's not. Obama has the same problem, and that's why he won't do the yeah, ice but bucket he's challenge. The wicked, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, let's let's not you know say anymore. I mean? Don't say anymore. Yeah. Go look it up for yourself. Oh, look for yeah, look for Nancy Pelosi ice bucket term, challenge, though. and then you'll see the thought that I just had about Obama but and why he doesn't term. do the ice bucket different challenge. Term, a B instead of a W, but anyway. <laughs> It's really terrible. It's really terrible. So should we get into stories proper? But yeah, I do. I think I think that the ice bucket challenge has exemplified part of the American sense of life, as a lot of these celebrities saying, "Look, yep, we're just one of the people, yeah. and we're all just challenging each other, and it's not, you know, some sort of thing where we think we're above getting out there and doing crazy stuff and and helping in a good cause." Yeah, just, and it's. It's not for "quote unquote" Palestinian cause. It's not for that. Like they have some some of these fundraisers for them. It's not. It's not that. It's something actually 
that's a mm-hmm. disease. That's a horrific disease. Now, the only thing is, could this money actually lead towards a cure? And I don't know. That's, that's the thing. That's, that's you know, and will it be usable? I mean, uh, Dion uh, Warwick years ago had an AIDS, um, whatever, like a charity thing, and maybe they said 15% of the money maybe went to it. 85% went to her her lifestyle. She was called on the carpet for that for well, years. Well, this is all going to that yeah. organization. ALSA.org is the one that we're all, hope it, all talking hope it, about. I hope it goes and to where it ought to go. We want to do a follow-up and see where does the money go. Maybe that's something that I'd be interested in doing myself in, in the future. So we'll, we'll follow up. We'll follow up. Rob is right about the picture of um, Nancy Pelosi, but you do get it. It's not a great picture. It should have been like a cartoon almost with mm-hmm. a white background. So all, that's, that's all you see. Right. But yeah, I mean, once you see it, you know what it is. But it's not—it's not the best picture, absolutely not. No, no. But you but know it, what it is. It does get the point yeah. across, and you do get a good laugh out of it. It's always good to get a laugh when we can, particularly oh, yeah. on a week Directed like this. Directed at the at the scum. Let's let's uh, get into some of this news here about ISIS in the Middle East. First story, and everybody knows ISIS are these horrible. Horrible Islamic jihadists. Yeah, but they don't represent any religion. What are you talking about? Yeah. What do you mean? The Obama administration <laughs> said they don't represent that's any that's religion. Um, so they have been slaughtering people of all stripes, basically whoever doesn't agree with their particular plans and their ways of carrying out jihad. But infidels. Insufficiently Muslims, observant Muslims. Insufficiently observant Muslims Christians, and infidels. Jews, atheists. Everything in and their path. This week in particular, there was a beheading that was all over the place. It's interesting because they have taken the video off YouTube. What I did hear is that somewhere in China, they were showing the video in a public square. Like imagine Times Square. They were showing the video on a repeat oh, reel barric. nonstop. They were showing this somewhere in China. There was a rumor the old day also, though. They, uh, they said that it stopped at a certain point, and uh, they're questioning whether it's even true, whether this guy went to, to the dark side. I don't know about that. I mean, the guy seemed like a piece of crap, though, besides the fact he didn't deserve to be murdered, no. But some of his, you know, some of his positions that they took as anti-Israel, anti-American, for the Syrian people. For, why? Why? But whatever. He found himself with... Uh, I don't know. He found himself in a place that he clearly did not think he'd be. No matter what, what his sympathies lie, where his sympathies lie. If you're YouTube, do you take the video down? I mean, I I would, but who knows? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what purpose it serves. I I saw. I watched two beheadings years ago, just to sit through it, experience it. I'm writing this book against jihad, but it's to me, it's worthless. It's a sick, twisted thing. You feel sick to your stomach, physically. There's nothing to come out of it. And that's why I can't stand seeing pictures. I, the, the, the New York Post put a picture of yeah. the jihadist about to cut his head off. No, and and I think that's what's wrong. the purpose of that? Yeah. You know, they say, well, it might change minds. 9-11 didn't change minds. It didn't. So a picture on the newspaper won't, will not change minds. It won't. No, a picture is not an argument, and it never will be. And people can conceptualize this. And hopefully kids didn't see it. But... Here's here's a headline, and this is an angle of the story that's coming up. The question is, are we going to team up with anybody in fighting ISIS? Because, you know, we can't just fight ISIS exactly. on our own. We always have to have partners. They, they killed an American. They're threatening us. 
to bomb us in our cities. I think we have enough justification to wipe them off the face of the earth. But still, we have to play this game that we're just one of the countries in the world. No, and, and you know they're threatening to take over and become a totalitarian religious dictatorship. In which case, they also have no rights to sovereignty in any way, shape, or form. I like the way Muslims we have are, every right to go I like the way and get them Muslims if we are want. Cheaply condemning them on Twitter and stuff like that. Muslim writer for Marvel, E F F, you know ISIS. Oh, please, well, on what grounds do you say F ISIS, you Muslim? On Islamic grounds? No, you can't. You cannot right. condemn them Islamically. Now look at this pair of stories and see if this pair of headlines makes you feel warm and fuzzy. The first is Assad policies aided rise of Islamic State militant group. And they say Islamic State or ISIS. I'm glad they're all calling it Islamic yes. State. And please write that out whenever you can, yep. Islamic State. Uh, Islamic State gained momentum early on from a calculated decision by Syrian President Bashar al-Assad to go easy on them, right? It says, the Islamic State, and I like this writing, this is from the Wall Street Journal, the Islamic State which metastasized from a group of militants seeking to overthrow the Syrian government into a marauding army gobbling up chunks of the Middle East, gained momentum early on from a calculated decision by Assad to go easy on it, according to people close to the regime. Early in the three-year-old Syrian uprising, Assad decided to mostly avoid fighting the Islamic State to enable it to cannibalize the more secular rebel group, yeah, because the secular people are so bad, supported by the West, the Free Army. So, ISIS gobbled up the secular group, which is what these extreme religious groups are Gear to do. Okay, so just juxtapose that. Assad policies aided the rise of Islamic State militant group with this. West poised to join forces with Assad in face of Islamic State. Didn't so Obama the, so the, and the Kerry and the other guys call him a, a monster? Didn't they call him that? Yes. Didn't Hillary? The worst of the worst after they were buddies with them and then they weren't buddies with them and now they're going to be buddies with them again. Oh, yeah. Because we need him, right? To defend ourselves. We, I mean, we, we need to get with a guy who made a calculated decision to go easy on religious fanatics yes. in order to quash a secular rebellion that probably had some elements of decency in it. Yeah. Right? By that alone. This is the guy. Relatively speaking. They say covert cooperation may signal the beginning of a once unthinkable alliance. Once unthinkable. Once when they say once unthinkable, it makes it sound like it was eons ago. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, last, last week, yeah, right? Last year they were talking about this. Um, These serial liars. You'll love the language in this story. This story is from the Independent, Saturday, August twenty third. It says Islamist forces are fighting their way. Islamist? Islamist so it's yeah. Islamist state, right? Yeah. Islamist forces are are fighting their way into western Syria from bases further east, bringing forward the prospect of U.S. military intervention to stop their advance. If ISIS, which styles itself Islamic State, threatens to take all or part of Aleppo, establishing complete dominance over the anti-government rebels, the U.S. may be com compelled to act publicly or secretly Oh. <laughs> publicly or secretly, of course, now that the story's out here, it's not so secret, in concert with President Bashar al-Assad, whom it has been trying to displace. 
So the U.S. has already covertly assisted the Assad government by passing on intelligence about the exact location of jihadi leaders through the BND. So isn't that funny? We're giving him this information. He's saying, hmm, maybe I should just give the information to nobody, right? Or maybe I should use that to make sure that I steer the secular rebels away from those locations so that they can't get those guys. Anyway, I think that's perfect. Even Bill Moore. Um, Did you think it's perfect? I think chimed in. Uh, the, this guy is partially responsible yes. for the rise of ISIS, and we're going to partner with him against ISIS. And he still has a motivation to prop up ISIS, I assume, because insofar as ISIS is gone, then the secular rebels right. would be a real force again. And since we were already opposing Assad, why does he want to work with us anyway? So. Why would he be a trustworthy ally because he's, in that regard? You know, it's bad guys versus worst guys. I mean, that's what you have in the Middle East, and he's the bad guy. How about bad no partnership with anybody in the Middle East? Ever. Yeah. Except Israel. Except Israel. Yes. Period. Yes. And India at times. Indeed, Robert says in the, excuse me, John Roberts in the chat room here at Blog Talk Radio, ISIS is a cancer. Yeah, I do like the cancer imagery, and, and Daniel liked it as well. It's definitely spreading. I mean, and, you know, it's Islam on the march. And this idea that these guys, it, again, the Saudi, uh, the Saudi Grand Mufti, uh, they're the worst, really. And your country, the biggest state sponsor of Al-Qaeda on Earth, 15 of the 19 hijackers of 9-11, Saudis, the birthplace of Islam, you know, Arabia, originally. I just, they can't, they don't like it because it's making Islam look as it is, monstrous. And they're like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't like that to be Islam. I want to BS myself and others and kill infidels. But these guys just want to kill infidels loudly. You know? You know, they, don't, they don't know how to, how to play it from their perspective. Right, right. They don't know how to play it, these guys. They're just in your face. They're just Islam all the time, 24-7. Well, and they actually say what they mean and what they yes. intend to do. There's no mystery who these guys and are. And they say these now guys, is the time. These guys also, in their mind, they are the top gun in the Middle East. They are bigger than Al-Qaeda, as far as they're concerned, because they're making more damage in the now. And they're trying to one-up them by butchering children, beheading children, something that Al-Qaeda may have done, but not on this scale. So these are the worst scum of the earth and happen to be the most Islamic group in the Middle East right now, naturally. But see, they don't represent Islam. And we're going to hear about that right now. We have Marie Harf from our United Barf. States yeah, United States State Department. This is a real clear politics video. I've got the link to it at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. I recommend going and actually looking at it later. I'm going to play you the audio now. But it really does look, as some people have said, it looks like a Saturday Night Live video. And the content of it makes it seem like something out of Saturday Night Live because it's really unbelievable. Why don't we listen to Marie Harf in... How do you make life oh, online sorry, we better? Got some commercial, of course. When the commercial is over, I will play you the audio from Marie Harf of our U.S. State Department. And you'll see what she says about ISIS in the Middle East and whether we are at war with ISIS. Talking about ISIL, you know, it's like uh, yesterday you described all this confrontation may take place more and more. And, uh, and the question is now in the area is like, and all the people are asking is make a difference now in the, in the type and the scope and the tactics of confrontation with ISIL than it was like 10 days ago. 
or a week ago? Well, let's two, two points on that. Uh, as I said yesterday, we don't rule anything out in terms of protecting our people or bringing those to justice who have hurt our people. Wherever country that's in, uh, I'm not indicating decisions made uh, in any way, shape, or form, but I just want to be very clear that we maintain the ability and retain uh, the capability to, to go after people who harm our citizens wherever they are. We have the ability and the capability, but we don't really do it very much. Um, Sometimes when Obama takes a break from golf, we do it. Sometimes. We're just letting you know that we we could if if we felt like it, not that we ever feel like it. That's the first part of this, right? Yeah? Yep. Okay, let's go on. Let's do point A there. Point B is we're still very focused, and let's not lose sight of what we're doing in Iraq uh, that's been going after ISIL. Uh, both obviously setting aside the humanitarian situation, but outside around Mount Sinjar, helping break the siege there by, by hitting ISIL targets, protecting Erbil, uh, t- helping the Iraqis take back the Mosul Dam from ISIL. We are very focused uh, on going after ISIL uh, strategically when it impacts uh, the goals the president laid out in Iraq. And, you know, we're looking long term at how we can do that more going forward. But we are engaged very heavily right now uh, in fighting them and in helping to build capability of the Iraqis to do yeah, that. The reason I'm asking you uh, this question because mm-hmm. you are mentioning Mount Singar and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Erbil and all these things, but the real issue now is becoming different. I mean, even they are announcing ISIL people in their message, whatever the recorded messages, other messages, that now we are in a war with America. This is not about ISIL versus the United States. I think I made that clear yesterday. They are killing anyone who gets in their way. Sunnis, Shia Muslims, Christians, Yazidis, Iraqis, Syrians, anyone who gets in their way. Okay, so they're killing all these different people, but they are announcing that they intend to be at war with us. Mm. But she's going to say, oh, they're not at war with us because they're killing all these. They're killing all these other people because they know that we'll get involved for, quote, humanitarian reasons, which she just talked about. And they obviously seem to be trying to provoke us into a war with them. And they declare they, they declare that they're at war with us, but no, no. Well, they're begging us to be at war with them. And we have to say, oh, you want war? Okay. Here's war. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it feels like. Of course we won't do that. You know? But we have the capability. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have the capability. And now an American. So this is not about what the United States is or isn't doing. This is about ISIL's stated commitment to murder, rape, enslave people who don't agree with their ideology and who get in their no, way. No, they're threatening and I us. Think, you know, the more we can That's say that, uh, because it's true, it's important for people to remember that as they look at the overall picture. It is. They're okay, threatening so America. A, people, people who don't agree with their ideology, but then what is their ideology? Yes. What right? is it, ma'am? <laughs> what is the name, ma'am? It's the Islamic State, right? And does someone actually mention it? And she says no, at one the, point, it's ISIL, ISIL, ISIL. Now, ISIL, what it, now, ISIL, now, now ISIL, the ISIL version is what Islamic uh, State in Libya or something? Possibly, yeah. I think they're in their mind. They think it's, it lessens the blow of the truth somehow. They're they're putting something slightly dishonest in there, which is Obama's want. I mean, that, that that that's what he does. But then ISIS is uh, Iraq and Syria, the Islamic State of Iraq, of Iraq and Syria. Yeah. So it makes it makes it seem bigger in scope yeah. at least i think so i think that's why he avoids that. that's why he refers to it that way there's something stinks about it because obama the, always the tried stated to... goal of isis is to have a worldwide caliphate absolutely yes. i mean they want to absolute and right now they're not being stopped we're 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 bombing them 
are we are we really bombing them? I think we're bombing some. I think we're bombing as Bush did some mountain areas, saying, "Look, we're bombing things. We're bombing things." Now here, These guys are still talking. They're, they're still threatening us. But here she is, right? Here's Harf, and she says. We have to remember that these are people who will kill anybody who doesn't agree with their ideology. What is their ideology? And then she doesn't say what their ideology <laughs> is. That's the whole point. Someone should stop. What is that, ma'am? What is their ideology? What is it? Yeah. What's the name? What What's the name of their ideology? So then let's listen to the last part where she actually talks about ideology. I'm asking this question because it's it. I mean, I in in realities and in politics, it matters how they look to us or how they look mm-hmm. to the United States. Mm-hmm. It's not how they, we look to them or we are seeing it. You know, it's like, but they are announcing that it's a war against America. Right or wrong, that's, that's what they are saying. Well, they can say whatever they'd like, but what I am making clear is that's not what ISIL represents. And they don't re- represent any religion. <laughs> Obama said the deal day also. That's the shtick right now. They Islamic are state doesn't represent any religion, especially well, not Islam. Well, right, right, but it's but it's not just that, right? She's saying the fact that they represent themselves as being at war with the United States doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. No, they're somehow it doesn't matter. They are stating that they're at war. They're doing actions calculated to draw us in, including killing an American in a very blatant public way by putting it out on video. They are taking actions consistent with, you know, it would be one thing to say, oh, I am baking a chocolate cake right now. And instead, you see me out in the backyard training my dog to do the teeter-totter, okay? So it doesn't matter if I declare that I'm baking a chocolate cake right now. If I'm out in the backyard teaching my dog to do a teeter-totter, which is what I was doing today. Will you be doing it relentlessly? That's the question. Right, right. But, but, you know, if I tell you that I'm baking a chocolate cake... And I'm breaking the eggs, and I'm putting the flour and the chocolate, you know. Even if I'm not doing it that well, because sometimes, you know, these guys aren't that good at waging war, right? And, and I'm not that good at baking a chocolate cake, right? But if I'm doing things that are consistent with baking a chocolate cake, and I'm telling you I'm baking a chocolate cake, who are you to say that I'm not baking a chocolate cake, right? Yes. And and so here they are. They're yeah. saying... Well, they've been saying for years, since 9-11. Well, they say it's Islam, but but what? What do you mean they say? They say they represent Islam. They say that they're at war with the United States. And, and they say we and will, we will never be at war with Islam. They're taking consistent with the same... Like we will never be at war with Islam? Well, Islam's war with us via their most consistent practitioners. Well, let me back this up slightly, because you got to hear her again say it's not any religion or whatever. Here we go. Oh, sorry, let me see if I did that right. Here we go. Well, they can say whatever they'd like, but what I am making clear is that's not what ISIL represents. And they don't re- represent sorry, any religion. Also, notice, notice the, her whole voice and her attitude and her behavior about this. This is about war. It's about death, destruction, us being at war. We're still at war. And she's saying, yeah, we will protect Americans. We will, you know, in a very condescending, you know, not at all concerned way. Right. Zero interest. She's like, I want to get through this press conference. I have a lunch to, to meet with some people. I'm, 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 I'm having a nice croissant, Jimmy. That, no, but that's what she's thinking about. She's trying right. to give a rat's ass what she's saying at all. She's like, God, I want this over with now. Well, and then when did she become the lackey to do this? It's interesting, you know. Yeah. From, she's making her name by taking a hit. As yeah. far as I can tell. Yeah, she's probably paying a price. Let's, let's, listen, let's listen to this through here. So here we go. 
Well, they can say whatever they'd like, but what I am making clear is that's not what ISIL represents. And they don't re represent any religion. Uh, they are at war with everybody they come into contact with. And that's why we are very focused uh, when we uh, outline goals on, on uh, attacking their targets when they threaten those goals, on helping the Iraqis gain in capability to fight this better on their own, and, and to be very clear, uh, holding people accountable when they hurt our people. That's something we're very focused on, uh, and that's certainly what will hurts. be a guiding principle of our action going yeah, forward. They don't hurt our people. They butcher them. They don't hurt our people. They don't punch them in the face and walk away. They cut their heads off. That's what I've seen. That's what we've unfortunately been witness to. I just, I, I just can't believe we are here 2014. Our towers are gone. 3,000 Americans thousands of thousands of Americans since soldiers and we're still sitting here talking about these en these enemies they're alive and well and they're taking different forms now different names different groups ones that would never ever have dreamed of becoming jihadists because if we took care of business we would have created so many quote-unquote moderate Muslims it's it's insane but talk about the truth being a and the official propaganda in the United States line Those the news speak, the news right in Orwell's terms, Newspeak is that Islamic State does not represent any religion. I mean, just this this defense of Islam is just really making me ill. Now I there mean, are now there are people. Bosh, what what would your answer be to this? There are people who call themselves Muslims and say, "Well, Islamic State doesn't represent my religion." Yeah. Okay. What do you what do you say to that? Well, I tweeted something the other day, and um, I get it one second. It's worth. It's worth me, me looking for just, just one second. Sorry. It's about basically, that's not my Islam. Until right. these people can make a sound Islamic argument against ISIS, they better shut their trap and read their Quran. Because the fact is, if they read their Quran, they might not be able to, become, to stay Muslims. But they better shut their trap is because these guys represent Islam as it actually is on the warpath which is how it always is, until the whole world is submitted or infidels are killed. That's the whole point of it. And, yeah, so these people, they might not, they might look at ISIS and get a little woozy, like, ooh, I don't, I don't, that's not my Islam. Oh, fine. You have a subjective form of Islam, whatever, but until you can make the arguments, shut up. I mean, shut the hell up. People well, are being butchered. Okay, here's, here's the other devil's advocate argument, which is that, these people in ISIS, if you call them people, are so revulsifying and disgustipating. They're monsters. They are, I mean... They're monsters. You cannot contemplate how sick they are. That it would spur a reformation in Absolutely not. Islam? Absolutely not. Why? Look what's been going on for the last dozen years. Every... We, you know, Spain was attacked. London was attacked. Uh, we were attacked. I mean, every civilized country, to some extent, has been attacked. But in terms no of no matter what's happening, I well, mean, this this group has been putting out there their deeds on social until, media in an unprecedented way. Someone of influence in the Muslim world says, "You know what? We got a real major problem with our religion. It does need a reformation. Guys. It does. Right. But when they say this, when okay, but but the sick thing is, you got these reformers." Like, uh, what's her name? That hack from Canada. Oh, I know. Urshad yes, yes. She said, we need to return Islam to its clever, fun-loving roots. 
she's done. She's not a reformer. She's a liar. I don't, I, I, I don't give a crap who she is and how she is. And she lives in the West and she's whatever. She's also a lesbian, open lesbian, and she makes n- noise about it. I don't know why, but whatever. Um, she wants, and she's a Muslim. She thinks she's a Muslim. And she condemns the violence and all that and has to return to his clever fundamental roots. Clever fundamental roots. Muhammad, if he existed, supposedly by Muslim history, just one of the examples of his, of his horror, 600 to 900 Jewish men cut their heads off. Just like they're doing to Yazidis, right? Cut their he- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They cut their heads off in ditches that were endless. Right. This is the fun of roots that this moderate reformer is talking about. So, so if if there were Muslims out there and said, "Look, these people do not represent That's my," the okay, they right, say right. that, but they well, make right. no argument. Okay, now, okay, now listen okay. to this. Okay, so what, I mean, what, the, what, what the Grand you... Mufti of Saudi Arabia said, "These guys are the worst," right? And then also, I wrote this. I said, "Beheadings by ISIS are horrific." Yes, but Islam is a religion of, of beheadings. Nineteen individuals in Saudi Arabia alone this month were beheaded, Islamically, state-sanctioned. And for who knows what reasons, not being officially Muslim, there was one, they beheaded him for being a sorcerer. This is what I'm talking about. They, they look at these people, oh, they're not Muslim. Do away with them. And we don't talk about that. So if, and if, Obama doesn't talk about that. If there were people that were out there and they considered themselves to be Muslim, but they... That's the whole well, thing no, but let, 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 me, let me finish, let me finish, let me finish, let me finish. Would you tell them, okay, you guys then need to get organized and serious and have an actual separate organization, some new sect of well, Islam, and well, stand up well, they against have these the, people? They, they, they have this, the Ahmadiyya sect. They tried this. Is that active here in the United States? Like, can you go to an Ahmadiyya, Ahmadiyya mosque? Highly doubt it. These guys get butchered. Why? Because they reject Jihad. Well, they wouldn't get butchered they here in the United States yet. Well... Who knows? But I doubt they can go out there and open. I know they're a small minority. They're a very small, small group. But maybe they get bigger, right? But right? the one fatal flaw in this Ahmadiyya sect is that Muhammad Ahmadiyya, the founder, considers himself what? A prophet. The last prophet was Muhammad, period. You cannot, there are no more prophets. So that's why they're, they're killed. They reject jihad, and he claimed to be a prophet. He fancied himself a prophet. So that's the only one that you know distances itself, but they're illegitimate. But the they're whole idea illegitimate. is if if you want to distance yourself from this, you need to publicly renounce it. You need you to renounce need Islam. To... You need to renounce Islam. It's like this. It's like a Nazi. Man, we just, we, we, we've been killing too many Jews. Let's uh, enlighten Nazism. There's nothing to enlighten. It's evil to the core. You cannot redeem Islam. You can't, cannot redeem its history. You can't say, well, now we're going to be good and civilized. It's impossible. It's it's like again it's like reforming Nazism. It's impossible. So it's you, like it's like reforming so, so evil. You, you think you could not refer Absolutely reform Islam the way that not. Christianity was reformed? Individuals and, on their own, but okay. the fact that they have to make peace with the fact that it does not mean peace. As I say, the only reason we're talking about Islam is because it doesn't mean peace. The only reason we're talking about Islam is because of jihad. That's the only reason why we talk about this crap. Zero. And uh, so every time you hear these. I was going to curse. You were going to swear? I was going to swear bad. Every time we hear these rats, and I call them rats and they're cowards and they're liars, say, oh, that's not my Islam. Your Islam is not Islam. You want to believe the best about your religion while this is happening? See, they, can, they could have done this in the cocoon of this nothing happening. 
They see every single day the horrors of Islam in their face, and they still deny it. Um, this is just, again, it's, it's unacceptable that we have to sit here and still think about, uh, well, can this be saved somehow? I'm sorry, F Islam. It cannot be saved. It's like saying, let's make evil good. Okay. Let's make something, let's make something evil okay and acceptable. Right. It's impossible. Well, he, and, and here's the thing. I mean, my concern is not that I really want to save Islam or anything like this. I, I, I am, know that. I'm, I'm an atheist, but I... What I'm you saying know, is I, I'm I, sick I, of those who are talking this game, yeah. who, who say, okay, the reformers, right? Well, but, what, the, what, the, well, the reformers say Islam means peace. The reformers say Islam means peace. Osama well, bin Laden said Islam means peace. Well, but what they're saying is they're saying Islam as I would like it to be means peace. Yeah, but that's the thing. They don't say that. Well... That's the whole point. Yeah. They say Islam means peace. And then it's like, oh, so what do you what do you want to reform if mm-hmm. Islam means peace? You mm-hmm. want to reform peace, a right. peaceful religion? Right. What right. does that mean? No. They need to make peace with the fact that, look, the, the biggest reason why Muslims leave Islam is why? Especially in the West, they read the Quran. They get sick to their stomach and say, I can't in good conscience be part of this. I'm out. Okay, so step one, they need to read their Quran. Step two, which a lot of them don't, they can figure out some way to come up with it, but it's their business. Again, the whole thing is you can believe, you can have your religious beliefs. We are here in America, you have freedom of conscience, but if you adhere to an ideology that is a declared sworn enemy of everything about us, then we're going to, at the very least, be skeptical of you. And in especially some, if you lay it on right. thick with your headscarves, and when you walk into a mall, they wear their full-on burkas. This is sick. This is sick stuff in America, post 9-11. I just, uh, I'm getting particularly angry. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's switch topics now to Obama. Not that that's going to make you much less angry, but even New York Times is criticizing the way that Obama is handling all of this. The headline from New York Times, August 21st, a terrorist horror, then golf. Incongruity fuels Obama's critics. And they said he had just hung up the telephone with the devastated parents before heading in front of the cameras. Unusually emotional, President Obama declared himself heartbroken by the brutal murder of an American journalist. And he vowed to be, quote, relentless against Islamic radicals threatening to kill another American. But as soon as the cameras went off, Mr. Obama headed to his favorite golf course on Martha's Vineyard, where he is on vacation, seemingly able to put the savagery out of his mind. He spent the rest of the afternoon on the links, even as a Sorry, firestorm. The language, of- listen to the language. They're, they're helping him so much here. They're semi-criticizing him because he, you know, he made them be embarrassed a little for him. But if you notice, you see the way they're saying it? Mm-hmm. They're, they're taking it generally that he was really emotional about this. First of all, he doesn't give a, a red ass. He doesn't. You can't do that. You can't do that and just go play golf and laugh it up. Well, listen, if you really listen, care. listen to their explanation. You tell me if you buy it. They say presidents. I don't buy anything New York Times says. Presidents learn to wall off their feelings presidents. and compartmentalize their lives. They deal in death one moment and seek mental Wait, and physical hold on a second, relief hold on. the next. What do you mean presidents? They think Obama's the president of all time. I mean, he's the most, the smartest, the you know coolest. What do you mean presidents? He's he's like George Bush is what they're saying. I mean, all of a sudden, he's, he's like all of them? No, he's supposed to be different. They say a president must guard against becoming consumed by the emotions of the situations they confront, and few presidents have been known more for cool emotional detachment 
than Mr. He Obama. He doesn't give a rat's, you know what, that's the whole point. It's not cool. He doesn't care. He's like, that got in the way of his golf outing, man. He's like, oh, man. Okay, I got to go there because I, I can't get away with not having that press conference. So I got to go there. Okay, fine. And then, again, he doesn't care how it even looks anymore. You know how people are concerned sometimes with the perception? He doesn't care about that. Well, and that's what I say there. He says, uh, I'm skipping down a bit. He long ago stopped worrying about what critics say. Yeah, when he didn't have to run again. Mm-hmm. And after the outcry over Wednesday's game, he defied the critics by golfing again on Thursday, his eighth outing in 11 days on the island at Martha's Vineyard. Of course, uh, Prime Minister David Cameron in Britain canceled his vacation after ISIS released that video showing the death. Um, and, and why? Because they, the accent of the killer suggested that he came from Britain, so he came back to try hmm. to see if they could figure out who it yeah. was. But no, Obama, you know, he's out there playing his golf. You know, this idea that... Not people, doing the ice bucket challenge. People like people still get shocked. He doesn't care. He's not a decent man. He's a bad guy. He's trying to tear the country apart. Why should he care? Why, why, why would they want him? I mean, no, they could want him to care, but they know, historically speaking, he doesn't care. Walter in the chat room over here says, yes, cool emotional detachment means that Obama does not care. He says, very clear to anyone with a brain. That's the whole thing. Uh, his actions tell us he doesn't care. His words tell us he doesn't care. He, he can go out there and put a fake tear on all he wants. If you can jump right back, it's, it's like this. He says something about ISIS. He goes, this is, you know, uh, deplorable, whatever. We expect this from ISIS. What's deplorable is him running to golf right after this. Right. He can't even take the night off and say, for appearance's sake only, let me pretend I'm at the White House behind closed doors and thinking about this heavily to do something about it so it won't happen again. He doesn't care. And uh, they're, they're kicking him themselves, these guys, like, this is our guy, man. He's making us look bad by supporting him. He really doesn't care. So we have to write something to really make it clear that he does care. But, you know, his critics are, you know what I mean? They're, they're like, they want to help him with this. They're trying to help him here. This is a PR piece right here. He really does care. But sometimes it doesn't come off like it does because they have to wall himself off, you know, like, so he, like all he's presidents just, He's do. just really good at his yeah. emotional detachment more than anybody Yeah. Else. Okay, okay. Supposedly, so he's also a crybaby behind the scenes for nothing, for no reasons. When Valerie Jarrett speaks, he cries Well, and backstage. that was the thing that came to my mind. He's not emotionally detached Absolutely and cool. Not. It, and... It, it, it's a front. Well, and he got really angry at businessmen he and gets bankers angry. That's past, when he gets right? angry. That's yeah. when he gets angry. Also about people who create things. That's when he. That's when he gets angry. When people try to run away with their with, with the taxes overseas. That's when he gets angry. You know, at the very end of the show links for today, I have a story about a positive story of somebody creating something awesome, and I keep waiting to hear what our government's going to say to try to shut this down. Which I hope it never happens. But you, whenever I mean, you, it was it was like the guy who uh, told off Holder. About yeah. the smart gun, right? Yeah. The gun that had the little fingerprint sensor right. that would, you know, the gun would operate only for the person who was authorized to use it. Right. And Holder wants to take that over yes, so that they can control the guns Perverted. in the country, right? And the guy says, if you try to mandate this on every gun, I'm going to burn it down or yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, you're totally screwed. Can I say that? <laughs> um, because 
you're not going to be able to get a patent on this and disclose the things that you need to protect your intellectual property and actually capitalize on your invention. I think it's too and good an invention not for have the government. I think it's too good an invention for uh, for Holder to, to to try to do something like that. Just because what he said, I think it's, it's I think it's too good. I think it's tr- truly an excellent piece of uh, it work. It is, but what I'm thinking is the, no, gov- know, the government's no, going no, to no, no, steal it. They can try to do something, but yeah. he, you know, I mean, and they have the weight of the law on their side. But I think just eventually, Holder will be out. Obama will be out. You know, I might have a decent person this time, hopefully. No, well, this is what we're all hoping. And what do you, what do you, I mean, again, the elections in November to, are going to tell to us To think something. a great man, patriot, no, a decent human being for president for a change. A decent human being for a change. If we can get a great man, of course. But what I'm saying is, to expectations-wise, after this guy? Someone half decent would be good. So as it stands now, ISIS is posing a threat to an actual city. They're trying to develop plans to bomb a city. And for some reason, Chicago was at the top of Dredge today. I don't know why Chicago I think because Obama's associated with it. Ah. That's it. As simple as that. Is that the idea? I think. So they want to do something symbolic. But yeah. they, I mean, they said they to want to hit the White Obama House. Somehow. Yeah, well, that and that. So Chicago, a top terror target, ominous tweet connects ISIS threat in city. And I guess there's pictures of scrawl and text about ISIS and the picture is taken next to popular monuments and such. Um, are we losing our screen here? Okay, we lost our screen here. Actually, we might have a caller. No, we have a couple of people calling. If you do want to talk about any of the topics that we have today, you call 760-888-5817 and make sure you press 1 or whatever it is that says that you have a question or comment and we'll pick that up, but you can keep also chiming in here at the chat room at Blog Talk Radio as well. This local CBS Chicago story says that over the past six years, Chicago has become a top potential target for international terrorists, a top security expert said Friday, making the post of a veiled threat by Islamic radicals on Twitter a higher cause for concern. Quote, many terror organizations refer to Chicago as Obama town, end quote. No. So you're right, boss. Uh, said CBS2 security expert Ross Rice, a former FBI agent in Chicago. Under President Obama, the U.S. took out Osama bin Laden and used repeated drone strikes to weaken terror networks. In the meantime, U.S. government on Friday issued a security bulletin to all U.S. law enforcement in light of the overall threat posed by Islamic State, commonly known as ISIS or ISIL. Uh, The ominous post on Twitter purportedly from somebody connected with Islamic State shows a photo of the Old Republic Building, 307 North Michigan Ave in Chicago, and also the White House. Yeah, but we know where ISIS is. Why aren't we dropping bombs in their general area? In their general area. I guess because they have a lot of, quote, innocent civilians there or something. Whatever. I think I'm going to have the problem here. have the clear war on us. So the innocent civilians, whatever, it's war. Collateral damage, it's on their heads. Who cares what the media says? But of course, Obama's in office. I know that. But what I'm saying is that's what we ought to do. Before the bombs come into Chicago, they should go there. Well, and and this is why the fact that we have not decisively struck these people already 
And wouldn't they be bragging I mean, and talking about what they've killed and what they've done? Don't you think, All, we just know that there's some random bombs being dropped. Don't you think within 24 hours we should have done something huge and decisive? Absolutely. Within 24 hours of that video being out but there? But what I'm saying is we're used to it. Our politicians take our, our lives like, well, they killed an American. Well, okay, we're at war, right? I mean, it's a long war, Bush said, right? No, but they've been taking our deaths in stride. Well, and All of Washington. Well, and this, this is why I asked the question, the title of today's show, is Obama teeing up an inverse of the battles of Marathon and Thermopylae? And if you remember, and I don't know a lot of history, I really wish we still had John David Lewis with us to discuss Man. these battles. Yeah, I don't know what, what the sound is. Yeah, there's something happened. going on here. We've got something in our sound here. But if he could discuss these with us, he would do a much better job because I'm just going to give you the well, sketch. He, but he knew it. in both of these battles, one was in 490 BC and the other 480 BC, as I recall, uh, the Greeks, the Westerners, were vastly outnumbered by the Persians. And in Marathon, they had a decisive victory. Yeah. Thermopylae, there was a mixed Lost in one place, one in another. Is that the? I mean, it was, there, there was, it was there's a small actually two band separate of, Small band of Greece, the Spartans, who basically knew, held off. They knew what was coming, and they kept telling them. They were arguing amongst themselves, and they weren't sure if they're going to go to war. And this guy said, "We have to. We have no choice here." Goes there and does as much damage as they, as they possibly could, and they all, you know, paid a price for it. And that's what woke up the Greeks to the fact that they had to. They had. They had no choice. They were coming for them. It's like it's, it's, it's like this. We think we have a choice here to just keep them, you know, keep them undefeated. You know what I mean, we don't have to defeat them. We just kill them off here and there, and this will go on. Bush said it's a long war, and they're making sure it is. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Right, right. We have the weaponry to destroy them forever well, this week. Well, and, and this is the thing. This is why I think of it as the inverse in the sense that we have the ability to vastly outnumber and overpower them. They have, you know, they have the will to kill we have the will to what? To do nothing. To not even defend ourselves. To drop yeah. food packages. They have the will to cut heads off. And that can't get us so outraged, so sick that we won't drop bombs in their general area. And when I say that, I mean that. Their general area. ISIS is around there? Okay. Drop them. Wherever they're around. I don't, I don't care about specific. They're in that house? No, no, no. They're in that general area. You do that. And then the world says, uh-oh, America might be serious now. And therefore, I think this, this jihad's done. But the, but the reason I think that what Obama is doing is teen well, this inverse. Well, he's propping them up. Yeah, he's propping them he's up. He's propping but, them but up. He's, he's just the end person in a long line the of worst. presidents and leaders Cowards. who have undermined our country, its moral resolve to defend itself. They're, they're defending Islam at all costs. America sometimes, uh, Islam always, at all times. It's like they're one absolute post 9-11. Defend Islam. And then kill some killers who are just too obviously brutal. Kill those guys, but defend Islam. Islam's great, Islam's great, Islam's great. These guys, are, these guys are not Muslims. ISIS doesn't represent any religion. No. I mean, it's just Even shocking. when they say they do. And it they're acting shocking. as if they do. And if you read the Quran, it sure sounds like they're doing stuff that the Quran sanctions. That's their playbook. I mean, that, that's what it is. Anyway, so this... Kill the infidels where you find them means kill the infidels where you find them. It's in the Quran. Allah's words to them directly. What else does it mean? Nothing. The West potentially vastly outnumbers and vastly overpowers the 
modern-day descendants of the Persians, and yet we may be lost. Why? Because of altruism, in effect. That's no, the, I mean, that's the, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. I ran, you know, recognized that. No one else did. And that's a fact. We are fighting here. You know, we keep trying to... It's like Israelis. All those Israeli soldiers are dead because they're trying to not kill, quote-unquote, Palestinian civilians. That's why they're dead. They could have ran roughshod in that entire area, wiped them out. And not one Israeli died, but they're sacrificing Israeli lives in order to seem more civilized somehow, some way. Look, look, world, we are dying. Not as much as them, but we are dying, so it's okay. Foley himself was a supporter of some of the so-called terrorists in Syria. I'm not sure what's I'm getting really bugged here. Something's happening with your microphone or the cord or what? No one's hearing it. I hope so, but we definitely hear, hear it here. Oh, now mine's messing up. Every time we touch the cord, something horrible is happening, and I don't know why. Sorry, everyone. This is sad. We'll have to figure out what's what's going on with it. Anyway, um, Foley himself, you have this story from Daniel Greenfield yeah. that you sent me. James Foley went looking to support terrorists in Syria. Instead, they cut off his head. And basically this shows, look, if you... Rebels, quote-unquote. You know, the good guys. Now, which which did he seek to support, though? Did he seek to support the if, secular terrorists I don't know if it was, some, it, was, it, was, it was a vague group, I guess, saying, as far as I know, some of them ended up being with ISIS. I don't know. I, I don't know. But but the fact is, he was where, he was he was in a place he, didn't, he shouldn't have been. What the hell business does he have going there and concerned about them? And his mother, I'm more proud of him than ever. He was very, very concerned with the Syrian. Really? Was he Syrian? Is he Muslim? Right. Why? The idiot went there, looking for trouble, found it. He says, for uh, for the most part, Foley only mentioned the Syrian Christians who were being slaughtered when he was promoting the myth that the Sunni jihadists were actually a secular democracy-loving force that incorporated Christians and Kurds on equal terms. Uh, he says, Foley came to Syria to support the Sunni Islamist rebels against the Syrian government. He was a vehement advocate and while he didn't necessarily side with any single group, he echoed the one-sided narrative rather than telling the truth about the Islamists, says Greenfield. His Twitter feed was full of urgings to arm the jihadists. And he also sneered at America's war on terror. So, ironically, they killed somebody who was sympathetic, but... They don't, they don't care. He's American, boom, get him. Well, and again, it's... They are taking actions consistent with being at war with America. They say they're at war with America. They they're it. doing things to show that they mean to be at war with America. They're butchers. It's not like they're out. You know, like I said, I, I say I'm baking a chocolate cake. I'm not out training my dog to do the teeter-totter in the backyard. Instead, what I'm doing is I'm breaking the eggs and I'm mixing the chocolate and the flour and the everything else. Um, taking actions, and that's what they're doing. They are doing it. So I don't know why you don't take them seriously. Do we have a call? We do have a call. We have a call with a question icon. Who's this? Hi, Amy. This is Debbie. Hi, Debbie. How are you doing tonight? I'm pretty good. I'm home from work a little early, so I'm actually able to listen from home tonight. Nice, and you sound really clear. Probably because I'm not driving. <laughs> right. <laughs> Excellent. So what do you got so, um, on this horrible ISIS? Yeah. You know, just 
on the on the, the sort of irony, or it, maybe I'm not sure that's the right word, but just the the fact that Foley was sympathetic to maybe not ISIS, but to Muslims in Syria, and that he was then beheaded. Just the reason for it. I saw an article in I think the Daily Mail last night, which I posted on Facebook. And it turns out that ISIS had been trying to negotiate a prisoner swap with the U.S. government, especially oh, for one particular right. person. And so that just kind of adds a whole layer to that. Um, you know, I wonder how they got the idea that they might be able to do a prisoner swap, you know. And, uh, of course, the answer to that is obvious. That's why we don't negotiate with terrorists. And, and it's like you said at the beginning of the show, they're, the, the Obama regime people are pragmatists, and they just think, oh, well, maybe in this situation I can do it, and it might work or it might not, and, and they don't think about cause and effect and what might happen as a result of their actions. And, um, and I think this might be a consequence of that action. Right, right. No, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, we have nothing really to hope for because we have Obama as a president right now, but what would you do right now if you could? What would I do? Well, you know, I was thinking about the also the angle um, of the fact that this executioner came from the U.K., and I know that there it's illegal to criticize Islam, at least in some contexts, and so they just allow these these communities to show up in like pockets in maybe London and some areas where the police don't even go and they nobody's even allowed to criticize Islam and these these areas maybe can kind of become places where terrorists like this horrible monster are incubated and I was just, you know and it, now they're it, saying sorry um, go ahead no, I was going to say, yeah, now they seem to be changing their tune, right? Because now I've got one story here on the blog for tonight, which is British, British Prime Minister says no freedom of speech for ISIS sympathizers. Yeah, and, and see, that's what, that's what I think is just bizarre. They're talking about taking government action now against, I don't know, ISIS, I guess, but somehow as distinct from other Muslims. And I was just thinking, you know, what I would do is just repeal the laws banning criticism of Islam. Why don't you right. start there? And I mean, in right. a rational society, people would shun Muslims any, in any way associated with groups like this. They would, you know, not only would they criticize them, but they would do everything they could not to enable them. I mean, I can imagine people refusing to hire them or do business with them in any way, anyone who supports these groups. Right. I mean, all you have to do is just, you don't need more government action to correct the previous government action. And as to the group, the the group in the Middle East who's actually running around and rampaging and killing people, I mean, if I had anything to say about it, there would have been nothing left of that but a smoking crater by sundown the day after uh, that horrible video came out, which I did not watch. Um, no, and, but, I, and I haven't watched it either and will not. And anybody who posted even a picture that was, you know, too close to whatever was actually going on in the video, um, I unfollowed, you know. I, I just don't follow this stuff. And I don't I don't think that, uh, you know, putting the graphic part out there is helping also anybody. Also, the uh, 
obscene thing on Twitter. A guy put five heads on this one plank, and I was supposed to go, oh, now I understand the enemy. Right. Now I do. Yeah. I don't, I don't need D- to see didn't that. Didn't get it before, right? Their, their handiwork is horrific. It's obscene. Why the hell do I need to see that to know, to know that they're evil? I know they're evil. No. And, I mean, we know what it means that someone was beheaded. You don't need to see it in order to understand no. what it means and to know this that is, it's evil. It's unbelievable. This, yeah. this need to say, now this will change minds. No, it won't. No, because it's totally out of context. I mean, this is just something right out of a picture is not an argument. Except instead of having to do with horrific pictures that are supposed to convince people one way or the other about abortion, it's horrific pictures that are supposed to convince people one way or the yes. other about Islam. It's no different. It's the yes. same idea. Exactly. 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 And the the same thing in terms of what we can expect from Hamas and what we continue to get from Hamas as well. But also, um, you know, sorry, they're, they're, Obama has expressed disappointment in Hamas and, and ISIS and what they're doing. Think about that. I mean, just think about what he must be thinking about them, what he actually believes about them. You know? He says the world is appalled. Who is appalled that ISIS is being, is being ISIS? Who's appalled that Hamas is being Hamas? Except Barack Obama, who thinks so highly of their religion, they've got to have some reason to do what they're doing, from his perspective. Yeah. They're monsters. I don't know That's if he a, is appalled. I mean... No. I think I, I the know. world he, is appalled. The world. Notice that also. All the so, someone brought up in the chat room. The collective, you know, the world is is appalled. Really? How about you, Barack Obama? How about you? I don't know if there is. Well, in I him. think that was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was sort of like a royal we, I guess. Right. The whole world represents. Uh, he speaks for the world. Not, right. not even just America anymore. It's it's. Uh, he's moved past that now. He speaks for the entire world. <laughs> right. You know, Martin in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio. Hi, Martin. I don't think I've seen you in the chat room, so welcome. He says, unfortunately, the media keeps the masses so uninformed and misinformed that it is going to require another homeland terror attack to wake people up. This is not unlike de- December 6, 1941 or September 10, 2001. Well, it's inevitable but, that we're going to get hit. It's inevitable I mean, we by may, the way we may We may get this. another no, attack. it's inevitable. Well, It's inevitable by, by the way we have chosen to respond 9-11. We will get hit. And big. But the question is, will that wake people up? I don't think so. I don't. I, mean, think I, so. I don't you know, it, it's sick, but I don't think so. If 9-11 doesn't wake you up, when you see your fellow Americans jumping from the towers to their deaths, if that doesn't shake you to action or to condemnation, I don't know what does. 9-11 and all the subsequent attacks. Exactly. And, I mean, how long is the list of atrocities that have been committed here and abroad by Muslims? I mean, you have to actually be clear that if you, if you mention Muslims beheading an American reporter that you're talking about this particular one rather than the last. You know what, there is everywhere. a website, com. If you want just to see the daily tally of butchery, Islamic butchery, it's there, whether it's one or 20 in right. Iraq. There, in is, somewhere there is a meme that was going around, and, and Debbie, I think you did post it as, as well as a bunch of other people. It was just a list of mm. a Muslim did this one and this one and this one and oh gee, this mm-hmm. one was a Muslim too and that. But, oh no, but but it has nothing to do with religion. There's yeah, no. What's the common denominator? Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Nothing. Nothing. It could it could have been a Jew or a Christian or a Buddhist or an atheist. Don't worry about it. So so yeah, Debbie. And then there's the, I, was, I was I was I was just gonna say to, to to try to move on with some of the other stories. The latest with Hamas and Israel. Hamas. You know, put, put a bunch of mortars over the border again, and a four-year-old child in Israel was killed. 
Israel's threatening a heavy price. Do you think that Hamas will be paying a heavy price anytime soon? Well, not heavy enough. Um, I, hopefully something, but, you know, Israel's kind of got that pattern of they're just, I don't know if they're cowed by world opinion or if they really just are kind of crippled by their own altruism or buying into that just war theory themselves or both but they won't really unleash on to Hamas what Hamas deserves because they're afraid of hurting civilians. So, um, you know, hopefully they'll do something, uh, but I'm not holding my breath for it to be enough to really be what Right, Hamas I mean, deserves. you know, the, the, the just war theory cripples any response that they are going to make, and it, it's not going to make it the type that, Hamas deserves in any way, shape, or form. Now, Intellectual Entertainment Daily is a new listener joining us in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio and asked this, are we mad at Muslims or these terror groups just tuned in? I, I would say, say both. I, I, would, I would say both, but let me say why. Bosch is angry right now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase it probably in a way that's a, a bit more mild than, than Bosch would at this moment. This, we've been talking about all the horrors of, of ISIS and, and our lack of proper response to it. And that is enough to get anybody angry. Uh, obviously, we're mad at the, the terror groups. That goes without saying. But Muslims who do not speak out forcefully against this, when these people are purporting to represent their religion, I think that in by not speaking out forcefully against it, they're expressing sympathy for it. And so in that regard, I'm angry with them as well. And also their unwillingness to look at Islam for it is and say these guys are actually acting in accordance with Islam, because they are. Them to, to, to say that they're not Muslims, ISIS, it's a lie. It's just not true. Yeah. And if they believe that, again, read, read your damn Quran once. You couldn't expect, you know, people to change, because religion is such a fundamental thing. I wouldn't expect them it to be like flipping a light switch and suddenly they're atheists and they're speaking out against Islam. But what right. I would expect is for them to at least be really sheepish and um, uh, uncomfortable about it and much less in your face and maybe just not a little, not so sure about themselves in, in the context of being Muslims. And maybe they want to not wear a headscarf in public because they'd, right. they'd, they'd feel a little embarrassed. You know, things like that. I would expect that type of behavior from someone who's just got a shred of humanity. If yeah, because I there saw has to be some kind of shame involved. There has to be some right. kind of shame involved. has to be, to be associated with it. Yeah, with there the has to be. And, and, and maybe isn't. that's the first step towards along a long path towards finally uh, rehabilitating themselves, I guess, from that religion. But... To the extent that anyone is still proudly and um, loudly and in your face a Muslim and defends Islam, after all this, then, uh, you know, if that describes you, then you're not a good person, you know. Those Absolutely. are bad people if they're not at least questioning it on some level. After and also, if they past- haven't even studied their own religion, that's the whole thing. I have family members who never read the Quran, never intend to. And they just lie to themselves. Say, well, they're not. I, I'm not with them. Oh, really? And that's that's all you have. Right. That's it. Right. You're not with them. That's, yeah. not, that's not good enough. Uh, Debbie, if if you don't mind, I want to go on through some of these other stories. And l- let me let me get your take on this one. This is the New York Times answer 
to what we have going on in the Middle East. The headline is called Peace Through Friendship. And it says, when two groups are in conflict, how can you improve the relations between them? One strategy is to encourage positive personal contact among individuals from each group. But they're talking about... Israelis and Palestinians. They're talking about those who want Jews dead and those who want to live in peace. They just have a difference of opinion about life, right? Right. Right. That's all. That's all. Um, And so then the question is, does it actually work in reality? And this, whoever wrote this said, uh, it says Gray Matter. It's by Julia Schroeder and Jane L. Reason. She says, uh, for four years we studied Seeds of Peace, a program that every year brings together several hundred teenagers from conflict regions such as Israel and the Palestinian Palestinian territories for a three-week summer camp in Maine. The teenagers sleep, eat, and play games together and engage in daily sessions to talk about the conflict between their groups and their own experiences with it. And so then they said, we measured how the intervention affected the Israelis and the Palestinians, and the results is that, I guess, it's positive. And then they said, well, yes, of course, when they go back to their homeland, then there's some regression, but, you know... Basically, they're optimistic about this, right? They think it's going to be great. You know, they say critics of such programs suggest that there is a re-entry problem, that any positive effect of the encounter will vanish when the participants return to normal life. So we sent the campers a follow-up survey, survey, and they said, we found the participants' attitudes did regress over time, but not enough to eliminate a positive effect. So think about this, right? So you get these teenagers from the Palestinian territories. They think, well, maybe we don't want to kill all of them. You know, maybe we just want to, like, exile them and make them suffer, or I don't know what it is, right? Uh, But then look at the headline for the very next story. Gazans suspected of collaborating with Israel are executed. So, basically, the people in charge there, even if you have some sympathy because of some of them and you set up these wonderful encounters with the teenagers meeting each other, you know, I think the teenagers who spent three weeks in Maine with the teenagers from Israel are probably some of the prime suspects of these Gazans and maybe targets of these executions. Who knows? Really nice pictures that went with that story, too, you know. Uh, These are where conflict, though. That's the whole problem with this thing. They call the Israeli-Arab conflict. First of all, it's not it's not Arabs, they're Muslims. And it's not a conflict, it's war. People are dying. Right. If people are dying, it's war. It's not a conflict. And they're trying to say conflict resolution here. Yeah, but I mean so yeah, you know conflict this, resolution. Yeah, but this this is you know, this is this is the, the just juxtaposition. Here's New York Times saying, Oh, you know, we can make them be friends and then you see how the quote unquote Palestinians treat anybody who's semi friendly with Israel. They kill them, right? So do you think that's going to work very well? No, I don't. I mean, yeah, you're just imperiling them better ones. If they if they really aren't so fanatical that they can form a real friendship with someone from Israel, then they go back home, they're going to be executed. That's just insane. Uh, what a stupid idea, uh, really. I mean... It, but it makes the New York Times feel good. And that's oh, that's that's really about that program isn't about peace through friendship that program is about making american leftists feel good about themselves period that's what that is and and because that's a sunday piece it's probably one that they've had kind of you know smoldering for a while they were you know they've been baking it and they were publishing it this i guess this weekend or recently 
And then here's the juxtaposition. I mean, right there in the New York Times, too. The Gazans who are suspected of collaborating with Israel are executed. Mm-hmm. If you could put those side by side like I just did, I mean, they would have to be embarrassed, you would think. But Well, they're the New York Times. Don't they don't have it in to be embarrassed. <laughs> I don't know. And then, you know, then we have here in the United States, I mean, again, this, the theme is, are we doing the inverse of the battles of Marathon and Thermopylae because we lack the moral righteousness and the resolve, the belief in the propriety of our cause and, and of defending ourselves with all the resources available to us. We just don't believe that here in the United States it's anymore. One thing. We believe that the bad guys will be good somehow. They'll just stop being bad eventually and stop killing us. Well, it's Nothing by what we'll do, but they'll just, they'll just somehow, some way, stop killing us. That's the thinking. We'll extend unquote. our hand and they'll unclench their fist or some garbage yeah, like that, right? Yeah, they pull that. Right? But what but, I'm saying is eventually that's what they think. Like, they can't keep, keep you know, killing us forever, right? They can. They've been killing for a th- over a thousand years, Muslims. Obama doesn't even want a Saturday Night Live cartoon about Islamic terrorism to be out there. Never mind actually fighting a proper war against ISIS. If you have a cartoon about Islamic terrorism and that is some way, in a little bit, fighting the enemy from the cultural standpoint, And no. who's wrong there? The idiot producer, Lorne Michaels, for actually asking Obama if it's okay if they do that. That's the problem. Yeah. Yes, this leftist idiot brought Obama in and said, what do you think about this? He said, hmm, no, nah, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, this is sick. Wow. So in you know, Britain we were talking about, you said that it was illegal to criticize Islam. Apparently, there is a self-censorship. It's not official. Well, a guy but... got arrested. Literally, a guy got arrested about a few months ago. He's running for office. He was reading Winston Churchill's Condemnation of Islam. No, no, that, that, that's in Britain, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, here in the United States, it's not officially illegal. No, not yet. yet. you have... But a guy the, was arrested in, in England right. for doing that. Right. You have the producers of shows here now saying, hey, we want to do this cartoon. Do you have any problem with it? Right. And, right, and, and we have... Go ahead. Well, we have the producer of the video that allegedly caused the uh, embassy in Libya to be demolished, sent to prison. I mean, we have such an intense regulatory state that pretty much anyone's probably on any given day committing a couple of uh, infractions. So, yeah, it's not technically explicitly illegal to criticize Islam, but if you have a big company and you're worried about some new regulation that might cripple it, maybe you don't want to make the wrong people mad, and that kind of thing exists. You know, besides the idea that they think that eventually these guys will not be evil forever, they'll be good somehow, they think they can't be as bad as we think they are. I mean, they can't be. It's impossible. No one could be that evil. Yes, they can. And they are. And they prove it every single day. I just, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's, particularly right now, just talking about this, it just hit me particularly hard. I don't know why. I'm always writing about it. I'm always tweeting about it and drawing about it on my blog. My story, The Infidel with Pigman, but... This is just it's, it's, it's a reminder that we are so far removed from rational action against this enemy that it's just it's very well and, and again I think I think it is the stark contrast and the reason that I had the stark contrast in my mind this week is because I've been reading Aeschylus's Oresteia or you know Orestian trilogy 
And Aeschylus fought in the Battle of Marathon, and so I was reading, you know, the introduction to the trilogy that included stuff about him and his life and, and the Battle of Marathon, and it just came to my mind, you know, here's this battle in which the Greeks faced overwhelming odds, and they won a decisive victory. And here we are. We greatly overpower them. And then this woman who looks like she should belongs on Saturday Night Live, she's saying, well, remember, we have the capacity to do stuff to you. Not that we're going to do it, but, you know, just remember, we have the capacity. And, and, and we don't have any moral certainty anymore. We've been crippled by philosophy, by lack of philosophy. And that's what the Greeks had on their side. They were just going into their best era where they were producing the the best ideas. They had the most benevolent belief system. And and now... The world to defend. So so I think it's... I mean, to me, it's it's the contrast with that that was really sobering when I was putting together today's show. You see how these guys are getting with... Go ahead, Debbie. We we do have people with that kind of moral conviction right now fighting, not in control of the United States military, but I mean objectivists. No, no I there know. are people like that who are a tiny minority who are fighting like that. Maybe not in the physical sense, but um, that warriors of that power. same caliber. But those with yeah, power, yeah. Right? I mean that that that's the whole thing. Those with power right now are as weak as can be, and that's why we're in the situation that we're in. That's why the enemy is running roughshod. This weak enemy is acting like they're the conquerors of the world. So if we're going to have an analogy, do we need uh, roughly 300 objectivists <laughs> I like built it. like, <laughs> I like it. rocks? You know, 12 packs. I mean, 12 packs. 12 packs, yeah. right. Not, no, no, no. But, I, not but I'm saying that, that are capable of the physical part of the fighting as well. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And 12 packs. Will... And, and you have to wear only a tight, you know, short underwear with capes. I and mean, that's that's how the, you know, that's how the, the, the movie version, right? In the comic, actually, they're naked. Are you naked. volunteering for this, Flash? <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm not going to wear that. Leonidas, that's it. Uh, <laughs> by the way, the movie 300, as opposed to the comic book, uh, they added the word submission. There was an emissary who came from the Persia, and he threatened him, and he, he wanted submission. It was a good moment because he goes, Submission. The king of Sparta, he goes, submission. And he paused for a few seconds. And it was important because it was right mid, mid-2000s, not long after 9-11. And they added that to the movie. Someone there knew what was going on. They knew that the Persians represented Muslims. Right. You know, so that was really, really cool. And that the Sparta represented the West. But uh, I don't know, sometimes uh, it's just good seeing those movies because you see evil get pay a price. So we could see it in the movie, if not in real life, nah. just as they can in the Pigman comic. Absolutely. Little bit of an ad there. If you would like to see Bosch's comic, The Infidel, yeah. go to Comixology and just search for The Infidel, and you'll get Infidel 1 and 2. Number three, is number in three October. Is on its way. On its way soon. I've been hearing about the script. So you want to go for something completely different, Debbie? Sure. I'm going to tell you about a Texas town that you should never, ever drive through. Texas is a very large state. It's very easy to avoid this little town. It's called Esteline, Texas, E-S-T-E-L-L-I-N-E, tiny population, only 141. It's on U.S. Route 287, and it pulls in a staggering 89% of its gross revenues 
from either asset forfeiture or traffic fines. Mm. Civil forfeiture, and this is, you know, I got this from the Institute for Justice. Institute for Justice has made civil forfeiture in particular a focus recently because the civil forfeiture laws all across the country are terrible. And they explain here that under civil forfeiture, someone does not have to be convicted of a crime or even charged with one to permanently lose his or her cash, car, or even home. Moreover, under Texas law, under Texas law, law enforcement can keep up to 90% of the proceeds from a forfeited property. Wow. Can you believe that? So avoid this place. And I like that Institute for Justice is calling out particular locations that are guilty of this because what we need to do is we need to boycott. Now, obviously, more needs to be done. There need to be lawsuits, and they need to get rid of this system. But calling them out and shaming them, I'm all for that. So I put it out there on Facebook, and I tweeted it and everything. I said, PSA, avoid. Don't drive in this place because you're just basically asking for it, I guess. I've driven through Texas a few times. Luckily, I've avoided this. Have you driven through Texas? Oh, yeah. I used to live in that part of the country, and uh, I've driven quite a bit in Texas. Never through that town, I don't think. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of little one-horse towns there, and that's kind of what I had the image in my mind of this town, just one of those little tiny towns that nobody ever really goes to. (laughs) So the, the idea is they're just waiting for somebody to speed coming through their town because that's what's filling the coffers. That's just sad. Mm-hmm. That is just That's really That's not that sad. unusual. In the south, there's a lot of areas like that they, they call speed traps. It's just these little small towns, these little one-horse towns, and they just count on people driving through on their way to somewhere else. And you've got to know to slow down when you approach these towns because they just are waiting to get people tickets. I mean, that, that's just sad. I, I got a speed ticket in Hawaii. I know that they do somewhat set up traps for tourists there and I fell into one of those and you end up paying the ticket and I don't think it actually shows up in points but you end up paying it why because by the time you get it you're already gone you can't appear in court in Hawaii so (laughs) what choice do you have it's pretty sadness very much very sad but I just I I like that the Institute for Justice is doing this pointing it out Um, so that's some of the stories that I have. Are you, are you able to stay on? You want to go through some of the more stories, Debbie, or do you think we have other stories? Sure, yeah. Maybe not. Let me, let me see. I don't know if the other you know, the other people online, I think, as far as I know, are, are just listening. So one thing also, uh, uh, Nielsen asked that we need Pigman News. Just I was uh, I was refining this one scene today, and I laughed out loud. It's just, uh, to me, it's important. I mean, amongst all this horror, there's still going to be something in there that really, you know, makes you feel good about it, so... So you could see what should be done. Yes. What should, what should be, be said, done. what should be done. That's all. Uh, a couple of stories. There is one, again from New York Times, Behind Closed Doors, Obama Crafts Executive Actions. So, again, it's a piece that seems like it could be sort of critical, but probably also serving to justify what Obama is doing, you know, because he has to do this, you know, without Congress, because Congress, of course, is gridlock, and they won't Mm -hmm. do anything for him, right? Um, And in this 
piece, they're talking about immigration policy. But the thing that really got me is the next story. And this is one that was uh, published by the Huffington Post. And it was White House to tweak birth control coverage rule for nonprofits. This is an older story, but we've got news in the past couple of days that they have actually done this, right? That they actually did modify the rule. But listen to the language. White House to tweak birth control coverage rule for nonprofits. And tweak, I guess, is the new euphemism for unilaterally rewrite legislation in a way that you couldn't have gotten passed through the House and the Senate. So, I mean, all you you don't have to really get your perfect bill passed anymore if you're a president, right? All you have to do is get something passed that's sort of similar to what you have in mind. Or it could just be like a fill-in-the-blank template. You Remember, um, what what are those things that you used to do when you were a kid? It was uh, like silly things where you had Mad to fill in the... Mad Libs, right? It's like Mad Lib yep. legislation. That's exactly what it is. Mad Lib rule legislation, right. And so <laughs> they just, you know, little blanks here and little blanks there, and you just kind of fill in the blanks, right? And when a court tries to hold you to any particular language, you say, no, no, that can be construed other ways. I know it says state, but when it says state, it could also mean federal government. So, of course, the federal exchange is, you know, eligible for reimbursement for the, um, you know, the subsidies, the insurance subsidies or whatever. Oh, yeah, it's, it's no problem. I know it's a state, but, you know, it's it's just a placeholder. It's it's like a Mad Lib. And, and that's it, it's legislation by Mad Lib, as far as I can tell. That's what he's doing. And and, and tweak, you know, which is, he's just tweaking it. That's what we'll call it now. He's not he's not rewriting legislation unilaterally. He's tweaking it. Think about the he, he looks over at Boehner and the others and keeps going. Their weakness encourages him. Well, they are suing him. Yeah, but that's that's please, that's crap. They're doing it to save some kind of face. We sued him before the election. We did something. Well, it is it is a valid thing, and it does have precedent. I read Ron Rotunda's piece on this, and I did post it on one of my Facebook pages, either my personal. There's another or, remedy yeah. for Barack Obama. There's another remedy, the one that the founders gave us. These guys are just playing around here. They're not they're, they're not serious about it at all. They're not. The thing that the lawsuit might do is nullify a lot of this, though. I think I'd like to to see that. Until until it happens, I know these guys are not doing it, and that's all that matters for them. So do you, do you like the new tweak to the birth control coverage? Did you hear about this, Debbie? They say, okay, you don't have to cover birth control. You just have to tell the Department of Health and Human Services or whatever, and they will set up some sort of a private insurance substitute for your employees, so that they can get coverage for their birth control as promised by the so-called Affordable Care Act. That'll be really affordable, right? This is just, you know, the word tweak bothers me. It's just trivializing. It's just downgrading everything the White House does. Sort of like, don't take us too seriously. It's like that toilet flush joke that you guys were talking about earlier. I mean, it Mm -hmm. seems kind of on that same order, just, Oh, you know, it's just all, it's sort of casual and nothing to see here. I'm not unilaterally taking, essentially issuing diktats that the whole American people have to follow without any kind of legislative procedure. I'm just tweaking it. Nothing, yeah. nothing serious. You know, it just trivializes the whole thing. 
And, you know, some, um, some people in the chat room, it must be getting late, Debbie, because some people in the chat room are having a lot of fun with the word tweak here. Stuart says, <laughs> Stuart says, are you reading this? He says, there is something even worse than President Obama tweaking, seeing the president twerking. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's not necessarily worse, but I hear you. And then uh, John Roberts says that whether Obama is tweaking or twerking, he is still showing his, da, 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 we won't even say. <laughs> or tweaking while twerking. I think that would probably be the worst huh. of all those. Now, I wouldn't know this at all, but and An- An- Andrew Brannon in the chat room is asking this. He says, aren't crystal meth users called tweakers? It's, I don't I know, but so. Obama is, uh, you know, historically drug addict. I mean, coca- cokehead, pot smoker, a hardcore pot smoker also. That's why I call them death pot. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a picture of him in college that that goes around every once in a while, and he's right. got a smoking. I mean, no, he was he was a hardcore pot smoker, pothead, and a cokehead. But he he was part of the of the Chum gang. That was a gang, and that's all they did. They smoked weed. You know, <sighs> grit man. No, definitely, definitely. But no, this this idea of just oh, it, it's just tweaking a little legislation here and there. No, no problem. Just just a tweak. Just a tweak. We have a couple more stories, and tell me if you agree with my take on this one. And I can't—I can't remember if anybody sent this to me or I just saw it going around Facebook. It's a Daily Mail story, very depressing if you take it straight. Although if you read it, there—it's kind of equivocal in terms of what it's saying. But it says, "Are we becoming more stupid? IQ scores are decreasing, and some experts argue it's because humans have reached their intellectual." So IQ uh, scores have been declining over the past, say, couple decades or so. And there's a couple different theories. One is that we actually are getting more stupid, that there's something going on about us genetically. One theory was smart women are not having babies as much, so therefore IQ scores are going down. Uh, But other people are saying, look, there is an effect where uh, it's called the Flynn effect, where now that people are better nourished and have better medical care and all the conveniences of modern civilization, that in general people are um, reaching their capacities more. And so then on average the scores might go down because maybe at first Hmm. only the... So so there's that theory Hmm. as well. But, I mean, you know, what do you think? Are the the scores going down? This is the thing that... Well, Obama's president. Twice, so we'll go on. There's that too, right? But the thing that came to my mind is, does our progressive education system have an effect on IQ scores? I'd say yeah. Absolutely. And and, and, and yeah. why did they not mention progressive education throughout any of this? Because you know why. Probably because they're not. products of progressive education themselves right. and they're not able to think in principle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the articles are like, like an people. autobiographical article. <laughs> right. They're blaming it on people, just whatever. People becoming more dumb. <laughs> well, and we the, had nothing. We had nothing to do with it. But. Well, and the other thing I don't know is: is it really true that you inherit IQ? We don't uh, know that. I don't. I don't, I don't believe that. I, I don't think I don't so. Know. I mean, I know. I'm sure that you can at least have some control. I mean, I think the question is: is it? completely self-made or do you have some capacity that you can then 
increase or decrease yep, depending yep, on yep. how you live. That you can enhance your own, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there are probably yeah. it, it, it's probably like temperament and other things that you arguably can inherit. You can do things yourself to either enhance or inhibit, right? So oh, that, that I, would be, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I can just tell you that I. Well, I don't know exactly how IQ tests work, and um, and I don't know what my score would be. Feel that since I've been studying objectivist epistemology, I've I've really learned just learn the techniques to think more clearly, and I do perform better at work, for instance, or just at intellectual tasks. So right. if you know, epistemology makes a really big difference, and if you're having your mind destroyed on a daily basis by this progressive education, how could that not make people less intelligent? But it's right. not genetic. And, and, and there's all kinds of factors that they mention in this article, but nowhere do they mention the effect of progressive education on progressive, IQ. Progressive also, they want uh, more compliant people. They want a more compliant populace. So they would want to dumb them down deliberately. And, you know, people sometimes they say, oh, that's not, that, that, that sounds too outrageous. Of course it's true. Of course it's true. Daniel in the chat room says, the next decade's version of this article, article is going to be mail online, even now more stupid, why brain no work? <laughs> It'll be like... And I also had friends on Facebook who hypothesized that it was because we spend too much time on things like Facebook and Twitter and that that is dumbing us down. And I wouldn't, you know, well, kind of blow off the idea that that has a, no effect. No, if you have a lot of dumb friends, maybe. I mean, and then you're just exposed to dumb stories and dumb ideas. Yeah, maybe after a while. But hopefully, you know, you get so, like, like, like today I had to block someone. I realized an idiot is one part of my friends, but he really commented on my things. He said something really stupid about Israel. Out. This idiot. Mm. Two more stories. Are we up for it, people? Do we have it? Yes. Okay, here we go. So, here... Sorry, sorry did you have Debbie on because I was a little too much about, about this before? No, I just... Tell her, can, I just you, can you stay at the media I a just, little? I just know that Debbie has intelligent things to say about pretty <laughs> no much offense, anything Debbie. that we can no, throw no at offense, her. No offense, I was a little more heated than usual. If uh, I just, I, well, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. Yeah. It's, it's, you think about this; it's just shocking. You got these monsters out there. We know where they are, and we're letting them live. It's just shocking. Do you know much about Google Fiber, Debbie? I've never heard of that, actually. Okay, so Google Fiber, I guess, is a way to provide neighborhoods with faster and cheaper internet service. And so the article from Wall Street Journal technology section says, Google Fiber is fast, but is it fair? Is it fair? So it, says, it says, the company provides oh. neighborhoods with faster and cheaper service, but are some being left behind? Because <laughs> that's the oh. main point, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's the main point here. So they say, uh, frustrated by the hammerlock of U.S. broadband providers, Google Incorporated has searched for ways around them to provide faster Internet speeds at lower cost via everything from high-speed fiber to satellites. In the process, it is changing how next-generation broadband is rolled out. Telecom and cable companies generally have been required to blanket entire cities. By contrast, Google is building high-speed services as it finds demand. 
Lane New Fiber Neighborhood by Neighborhood. But then they'll say the homeless don't have computers, so they're they're left out, right? Exactly, exactly. It's the same old, same old, right? Homeless. Here is something that's going to be offered better and cheaper to at least some people. Again, it's, it's let the market decide as opposed to some sort of mandate from the government. And then they say, oh, well, it's faster and cheaper and better, but is it fair? It's not egalitarian. It's not giving everybody the exact same little boring piece of the pie that's bland and tasteless. Um, instead, some people are having excellent service, and some people still are maybe stuck with AT&T or whatever it is. So thoughts on this? I mean, it's just, well, it's just the usual. They're concerned, though. I mean, think about that. They bypass all the, all the value, everything, and they think about those, like, oh, those poor people, you know. But I mean, well, imagine yeah, this, right? So I was going to say, some people get this cheaper, faster service, and what are they able to do? They're able to hire poorer people to if do things. If that's what their concern is. You know, so, so, you know, suddenly your your Internet bill is a lot less for the kind of speed that you need, and you have a lot of extra cash lying around to hire somebody to wash your windows or clean your house or right. whatever it is. If that's you know? what your concern is. No. Well, right, right, but I mean that's the thing. It, no, but it, that's that's their professed concern. Is what I'm saying. They should think along those lines, but they don't. They mm-hmm. say, "What will we do with those? Don't worry about those. People can take care of themselves, and if they want it, they'll get it, and they'll they'll figure it out." Yeah, but no, you know, it, it's so much better for the government to force companies to provide the exact same thing to everybody, regardless of whether those people are, you know, responsible financially for paying their bills or. They can even afford this. They've got to charge some people more and somehow figure out how to charge some people less to yeah. get nearly the same service. Horrible, horrible, yeah, horrible ethics. Egalitarianism in action. Egalitarianism is anti-value. So as soon as somebody provides any anything good to anyone, if everybody can't have some, then it's wrong and it needs to be smashed. Right, right. So, you know, here's this great thing. Everything's fast. Everything's cheap. But no, it's terrible because it is not fair. And if Google can't afford to give it to everybody right yes. now, regardless of whether the market will bear that, it then, not, oh, it's bad. They shouldn't it, it do it. If it's not perfect in, in a fantasy way, it's, it sucks. I mean, that's it. Yeah. That's the thinking. So last story, which is an unequivocally good story. And, and the reason I put this is because today, this morning, I started my day with a fasting blood test. So, you know, you go to the place and you haven't eaten for 12 hours and you're waiting around in the waiting room and then they have to put this needle in your arm and you wait while they draw somewhere between five and seven vials of blood that look, as far as I know, they actually look bigger than they really are because there's, the walls of them are thicker than you think and stuff like that. But it looks like they're taking all this blood out of you and they're taking quite a bit. And then you then you hear about this company. How do how do you pronounce this company? Is it Theranos? Theranos. 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 That's how you pronounce it. See, I, I read. I don't hear. So like Ther- Theranos is going to allow me to have all those same blood tests with maybe only one drop of blood, maybe a few drops of blood. I could have all the blood tests that I had this morning, and it could be cheap. It could be easy. I can apparently soon, according to the website, I can go to my local Walgreens and just get these tests easily. This sounds like a lot better. I'd much rather just have my finger pricked 
then worry about whether the are they called phlebologists, the ones who stick the needle phlebotomists. They stick the yeah. needle in your arm. And I mean, the one I had today was actually really good. I couldn't feel it, really. I mean, that hardly ever happens where you you know, you usually feel a little stick. I really just didn't even feel this. I thought, okay, this guy's as best as it, as it was. But just having that anxiety about whether you're going to end up with a bruise in your arm or anything, prick my finger, take some drops of blood out of my finger. I love it. And then the question is, is government going to say it's not fair in some way? It's not fair. It's going to put these other lab companies out of business. It's unfair competition. I don't know what it. Yeah, of course they would do that. That's that's the fear. But this, as far as I can tell, nobody who actually wants the welfare of human beings to improve could be against the service that this company. Well, what they're saying, if you don't providing. help everyone, let's just get this off the market. If everyone can't get access to it, then it's worthless. I mean, it's just it's evil. But. Uh, uh, but I know I know a lot more people can get access to this. I mean, look at the you know the the link that I uh, gave too. everybody is the link to the list of tests that they can do and the cost of the tests. And I actually don't know how the costs compare to the current method of testing, but it all seems very reasonable to me. Surprised, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why we. Well, have there's a reason problem. you don't know, and that's because labs. I mean, medic, the medical industry is notorious for not publishing their prices because of how screwed up everything is with the government paying for this, the insurance companies paying for that, and nobody really pays the same price for any kind of medical procedure. So um, that's why nobody really knows. There is no price for a lab test. It depends on who's paying. If the government pays it's one thing, and if Medicare pays it's one thing, if an insurance company pays it's another, and it depends on what insurance company it is, and if you walk in and pay as an individual, you'll pay a different price still. So, yeah. And so here it's like everybody everybody's going to pay the same price. This is the price of the test, and that's life, and that's what it is. I mean, these all seem mm-hmm. like very reasonable prices to me. The only complaint that I would have is that you still need to uh, have a doctor give you a prescription for all of these tests. I would love the day where you could just walk in and say, hey, I want to know what in the world my cancer antigen is, for example. Um, I mean, some people might want to get this test once a month, right? Go get this test once a month. Why not? You can do that. In other states. In other states. Not in California. Oh, not in California. (sighs) I know, right? Because, of course, um, but, yeah, in, to protect you from yourself because hypochondriacs might go, like, right. all the time and <laughs> whatever right. or misinterpret hey, their Joe blood test results. <laughs> but, yeah, like in Arizona, for instance, I mean, there, it's a state-by-state basis, and um, it's not a federal law. So it would be really great if this started creating pressure for those laws to get repealed so that you can do things like that because, I mean, if – I think it would be a great thing if people had that empowerment to get that information about their own body. I mean, it's your own body, but somehow you're legally forbidden to get the information about it. That's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, there are some places you can go through life extension and places like that and and get the information. But in any event, I think this is uh, wonderful, and I think we do need to work to get the law changed in California so that we can take more control over our health care, which we need to do, especially in the... uh, Obamacare client, 
we, uh, climate, excuse me. So we've only got 90 seconds. Yeah, next week, by the way, we are going to take off the Labor Day weekend. So I'm sorry to say for people that we are actually going to take a week off next week. Debbie, I hope you're going to have a nice Labor Day weekend next weekend. And I, I thank you for hanging on with us tonight. Thanks, Debbie. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Thank you very much. And we will talk to you then maybe hopefully in a couple weeks. Okay. 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 Take care. care. Bye-bye. Everyone else who's been listening and participating here in the chat room, I really appreciate it. I see Mo. I see Daniel, Selfishness, Martin, John, Nielsen, everybody. Nielsen offered to be one of the 300, by the way. I thought that was very brave and awesome of him. He says, no, yes, we got to go now, everyone. I appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com to continue the conversation. Uh, We also welcome support of the show in whatever way you see fit. Share the show with your friends. Uh, Buy things through Amazon using my link at the blog at DontLetItGo.com. Or if you want, you can make a little donation. We've got the little PayPal link there as well. So thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Have a great Labor Day. And we will see you in two weeks from tonight. Take Take care. care.